First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody. Episode 653 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast. We are going back to the world of country music today. I will be joined by Joe Nichols on the podcast. Joe Nichols is a multi-platinum selling, three-time Grammy-nominated country artist. He is praised for being one of the top traditionalists in the business. Among his many accolades, he has received an ACM award, a CMT award, and a CMA award. All the big ones. He has had six Number one singles, 10 top 10 hits. But more importantly than that, Joe is a first-class father. He is also a recoverer like myself. Joe and I get into a talk about our recovery from alcohol addiction in this episode today. It was great to talk to him about it. I know so many of you dads out there are either recovered from or struggling with alcohol, alcoholism, drug addiction. Uh, I hope that by listening to some of the stories, my own testimony, some of the guests that come on here and talk about alcohol and their recovery from it, now, obviously, Joe plays in a world of country music. The world of country music is filled with all kind of songs about closing down the bar, closing out the bar, last call at the bar. So much has to do with drinking and so much like that. So it's very challenging once you step away from the alcohol, how different your life becomes. I know just from being uh, working on the railroad, I've been doing that, as you guys know, for a couple of decades. It doesn't matter what world you're in, country music, uh, whether you're a movie star, no matter what business you're in, this is the one thing about alcohol and drugs. They do not discriminate. They do not care what side of the aisle you're on. They do not care what profession you have. They don't care how many family members you are, what orientation you are. Uh, drugs and alcohol could care less about any. They come for your soul, and that's exactly what they do. So I just know from my own battle, it's always great uh, to listen to other guys that have had some success and have found the light, seen the light, and have been able to turn around and help other people along the way. So if you are in the program, if you are someone that's on the fence, you, you don't know what to do, take a listen here. Uh, Joe and I talk about it briefly, uh, but importantly in this interview. So Joe Nichols will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Joe Nichols was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation between the country music superstar and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, I don't know if you guys watched it over the weekend. Jake Paul defeated Anderson Silva in what I thought was a great boxing match. I watched it with my son, my 11-year-old. We watched it together. It was very entertaining. A lot of action throughout the fight. Props uh, to Greg Paul, Jake's father. If you guys missed out, uh, Greg Paul was on the podcast here on Friday. We talked all about his sons, uh, Jake and Logan Paul, and what they have done to really disrupt uh, the world of boxing, now the world of wrestling. We know Jake now is trying to unite the fighters to form a union. Uh, they're really doing some incredible stuff, and it's no no shock at all uh, because their dad, Greg, is definitely a first-class father all the way. Had a chance to text with him before and after the fight, and with everything he had going on, uh, I can only imagine his phone blowing up after his son was victorious, beating the MMA legend. Uh, he took the time to respond to me. I thought that was a class act. Uh, so if you missed out on that episode, please flip it back one episode, listen to my conversation with Greg Paul, and be sure you're checking out that family-made newsletter. Go to news.familymade.com. Now, something I wasn't 
wasn't aware of until I got the newsletter on Friday. I wasn't aware that this month of October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And those of you that follow Olympic gold medalist Sean Johnson and her husband, Andrew East, the ones that founded the Family Made Media Network, uh, Sean Johnson went through a terrible miscarriage. As I know so many of you guys, my wife and I have been through too many miscarriages along our journey to having four healthy kids. Uh, But so many of you out there experience that. Uh, This is a month where... Uh, We remember that. We talked through it. So this uh, touched on in this newsletter on Friday, obviously touched on all things Halloween, list of games to play with the kids as today we celebrate Halloween. So make sure you get in on the newsletter, guys. It's every Monday and Friday. It comes out. All you got to do is go to news.familymade.com and put in your email address. It's that simple. You'll never miss out on anything from the Family Made Media Network. I hope all you dads will be out there trick-or-treating with the kids later and enjoying your time. I'm one of the class parents in my daughter's class. We're having the Halloween party today. I'm bringing back the old school bobbin for apples. I got all the kids their own individual tins so that nobody has to share any saliva, nothing like that. So they always enjoy it. So enjoy your Halloween. Happy Halloween out there. Don't forget to help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Then let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. Here we go. Straight up. My conversation with country music artist Joe Nichols on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Joe Nichols. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much, man. All right. Honored to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 24-year-old. Very cool. If if you could, Joe, please just take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. I'm a, I'm a country music singer. I've been touring since 2002 where I had my first major label uh, release and I have three kids uh, born in 98, 2012 and 2014. I'm, I'm married. I married a woman named Heather in 2007, beautiful wife. And uh, we live together in East Texas in Tyler, Texas with our two youngest kids. Yeah, very cool. And obviously, you've had a very successful country music career. But if you could take me back, Joe, to the uh, take me back 24 years ago. How did the experience of becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, um, I I became a different person feelings wise. You know, I I was kind of a shallow person, then a little selfish, a lot selfish. You know, young guy. I was 21 when my oldest was born and, um, you know, kind of thought about money and girls a lot. That's kind of what, you know, motivated me with music and with having my first, well, by the way, all girls, I have all all girls. And I think that was probably a divine plan. Um, I I think I started thinking about things a little differently. I started slowing my mind down uh, as far as music goes. I just wanted to be kind of rowdy, kind of a Hank Jr., Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings kind of style, lifestyle. And, you know, the character that I played in country music was rowdy and, you know, like to fight, like to drink, you know, like to party and do all the things like that. And I think um, having my my first child and, and two children since, I think has slowed down my thinking and it made it a little deeper. You know, I started thinking about, you know, other ways to, to play music and other things that matter enough to write and sing about music. You know, it, I think it um, just changed the way I thought and felt on a deeper level. 
Yeah, very well said, John. I know I was talking to you a little bit before we started doing this about uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict myself. And one of the things, too, uh, Joe, and you mentioned, I know you like to throw back and, and pay tribute to a lot of the original country music artists and stuff. I remember yeah. listening to stuff like um, and hearing like Mickey Gilly, uh, the girls all yeah. get prettier at closing time and stuff like that. Yeah. Country music seems to be very embedded with the, the bar scene, the alcohol scene, many, many millions yeah. of songs about it. Uh, oh, so yeah. how did how did getting sober, going through the process of, of becoming sober kind of affect you as a musical, musical artist and uh, as a father? Well, you know, growing up and, and kind of my my heroes in country music, the Merle Haggers, the George Strait, Keith Whitley, Randy Travis, Hank Jr. Um, a lot of those guys, not all of them, but a lot of those guys had uh, had kind of this hard, hardcore side to their uh, edge, to their music and their personalities especially a guy like Keith Whitley, who I idolized. And um, there was kind of this romance with being the hardest drinker that you knew, you know, the guy that could out drink everybody and could, uh, you know, could sing and play music and the guy that people wanted to be. And also, also uh, that tragic story, you know, that, that, that Keith Whitley, uh, you know, dying so young of alcoholism um, or alcohol poisoning, I, I think, a lot of male singers and I've heard them share the same kind of thoughts and feelings. Like that's how you want to go. Like be recognized as the greatest. And he died too soon. It sounds such like such a sick idea. Um, but that's kind of how a sick mind thinks, you know, what a way to go would be to go out drinking at an early age and have people say, Oh, what could have been, you know, it's just a weird, you know, screw that's just kind of, is a thing that's wired differently in my brain and a lot of us, our brains as, as alcoholics and addicts. And, um, you know, when I, when I got sober, uh, it, it took several times. It took getting sober, falling off the wagon, getting sober, fall off the wagon, you know, never really more than, you know, a short period of time. And, and, uh, eventually, uh, I, I gave it to God. I, I stopped trying to get sober by myself or willpower or, I'm going to think my way through this or I'm going to do this. And here's how I'll set things up in my life. So I don't fall into that. None of that really mattered. I try to do it my way over and over and over again. I mean, I don't know, countless times. Um, eventually I let man upstairs take control. And I mean, talk about a psychic shift. It was, and, and I can't really describe it in words. I've tried to a million times with my wife, but uh, something happened differently in here that I can't, explain nor take credit for something happened when I said, if, if you can take this, would you? And, um, and it was, and it, the obsession that has always lived there in my mind, the, uh, um, just the need to think of, uh, about, about things about drinking or, or drugs or any kind of obsessive thinking that was removed, you know, from my brain. And now I, I do things to, to keep that removed from my brain, but that was gone from no doing on my own. So I, I say, you know, to bring it back home to, to my family, if it wouldn't have been for, for my wife and my children, uh, I would never got to that point of being done enough to ask for, you know, some change. Yeah, I definitely relate to everything that you're saying there. Once the desire uh, is gone, it, it, it that seems to be when it all changes around. And that's what happened with me. Yeah. I mean, my, like, I, I lost, my father died of uh, cirrhosis of the liver alcoholism. I just lost one of my brothers this year uh, from the same thing. So it's been a plague in our family for years and something that 
I, honestly, I never thought I would even have a chance to beat. I, I kind of almost gave yeah. up trying to quit, you know, and, and uh, so it, it's uh, definitely, I know I get so many different listeners, so many dads that are out there to listen that are right in the fight right now, struggling with it. And they feel like it's a battle. And that's yeah. always great to hear different testimonies from guys that have, have, have come out on the other side and just to see that there, there is a chance. Cause like not even just in country music, Joe, but we glorify it so much in our society. Yeah. Like it's everywhere oh, yeah. that you look, even if you're watching a football game, the sponsors are Bud Light and it's like no athletic performance is going to come good from drinking Bud Lights. But it's like, <laughs> it, 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 we see it everywhere plastered yeah. in front of us and we make it seem like it's this good thing. Uh, right. And I think we got to change the mindset around that just as, as a society. Yeah, it's it's you're right. And it's almost marketed as if, as if it's medicine. You know, it's 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 just such a weird uh, culture. And, and on the other side of, of being sober now, I can see that, boy, talk about tapping into a, a sickness in your mind like like clockwork is just so effective in their marketing. Um, well, you know, I, I would say to anybody that's watching this, that's, that's struggling. I always say this. If I can get sober. This guy right here who's tried everything and has been to the lowest of lows and just like hardcore as anybody. And I know everybody has that kind of similar story, but anybody, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it doesn't matter how low you go. That's what they say. It doesn't matter how low you've gone. doesn't matter. It's possible. Yeah. I, I love that, Joe. Let me bring it back to you uh, as a father here. What would you consider to be the top values that you hope to instill in your kids as they grow up? Um. You know, I've discussed this with my older daughter, and I hope as my youngest to get older, I can kind of uh, impress upon them the don't get hard opinions too easily. Don't come to a conclusion like that based on, you know, what you think is right, what you what you believe is is correct. You know, my, my experience has taught me, especially as a dad, be patient. Even if you think you're right, you know, even if you're if you convinced you're right, be patient with somebody else's thinking, because there's a chance they're just arguing to argue and they might see it your way. If you just maybe shut up and listen to them a little while and let them talk and figure it out. So um, I try to do that with with my oldest. Definitely. We, you know, sometimes we butt heads on a lot of things and and I've learned that that gets really nowhere. So I'll, I'll give advice. And I'll sit back and let her watch. Just take that advice or not take that advice and be patient. Even if I think I'm right, be patient and let her maybe figure it out. She's a smart individual. And, and with my two youngest ones, you know, the older I get, the more patient I get. You know, I wish my 24-year-old had the dad that my 8 and 10-year-old have because I was a very young guy then. And, and now as I get a little older, you know, I, I see things a little, uh, a little slower motion. And I can I can stop and say, oh, you know, my thinking may not be correct here. Maybe it is. But take your time. Let them make a mistake. They're kids. You know, they're going to do and say things that are stupid and they're going to do things. And they don't even know why they do them. But be patient. And I hope that they marry men that are patient and loving and tender and kind rather than, you know, somebody they want to butt heads with. Yeah, praying the same thing for my daughter. We have three boys, and our our, our daughter is our only girl. She's uh, eight years old now, so I'm praying for the same thing. But we're we're just like, 
you know, our oldest two are teenagers, 16 and 15, and we're just going through it. We've never done it before, too. So we're kind of trying to figure out the best ways to communicate. And we're, we're learning on the job, as always. Yeah. Uh, we don't even have a child yet that's driving a car where this is the first time we're going to go through that whole process. So oh, wow. uh, it, it, just trying to stay up to date as best as we can. And, and you, I guess it relates to this, what you were just saying. But what about the discipline portion? What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? Uh, with discipline, I try not to let feelings dictate, you know, the discipline stuff, because I think um, what I've learned from my parents, what I've learned as a, as a young parent uh, is my feelings can't dictate how she takes this. And what I mean is I can't go into a rage and expect her to learn anything from my rage. You know, when she messes up or does things that I'm, I've said no and when I've set guidelines, she breaks those. I can't let my anger, my my rage, my feelings dictate how she's going to learn from this. So, um, like I said, especially as I, I get older, my, my middle child and my youngest child kind of have more of an experience like this with their dad. Um, when they mess up, I slow it down and I make sure that they understand what's happening. Cause I, in my experience as a child, a lot of discipline was chaotic and kind of meaningless and, and, aimless and directionless. And I didn't know what I did wrong. And I didn't know why I just got the discipline that I just got, whether it's whooping or whatever. I know it's, so it could be random. So the lesson was never learned. So with my kids, I try not to let my feelings race ahead of me, try to slow it down, make sure that I communicate with them. Now, do you know what you did? And I want to hear you say what you did and keep saying it to me until you understand what you did was wrong. Maybe you lied. Maybe you went outside the boundaries. Maybe you did something you knew or you were supposed to do with your you know, friends or iPad or something like that. You know, you weren't supposed to do that. Do you know better? And then eventually slowing that down myself slows it down for them and they're not scared. And they know that what they've done is wrong. And now they accept the discipline and, and the, the guidelines moving forward. It doesn't always mean that they're not going to mess up again, but at least my one goal, my one mission is to always make sure they understand why they're in trouble. Cause I didn't a lot of times didn't understand why I was in trouble. It was kind of a directionless discipline. Yeah. And there's no doubt that one of the biggest fears like I have is that they won't come to me when serious things are going on. If, if I'm wrong in my discipline, but sometimes too, like that's why it's good to bounce it off, balance it with my wife because once sometimes that, 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 I don't know, that reaction or that anger can get can, like uh, you just get caught in it and you can't get out of it. And right. so at least one of us will recognize it. If I'm doing it or if she's doing it, we'll recognize it. We'll be able to play the other side of it and try to bring the conversation back into some kind of meaningful lesson. Because sometimes once you get yeah. going, it's difficult to stop. But yeah. it, and, and I know you got the, the tour going on right now. How do you kind of balance uh, the tour? What is that like? Do you bring the family with you to certain places? Uh, well, yeah. How do you balance the, the family life and the tour life? Well, when the uh, when the girls are out of school, um, they'll come out on the road with me. We'll we'll have some family time. We've done that where they've been out with me 10, 15 days at a time, you know, out there on the road. And it can tire them out pretty easily. I think it's good to have them experience the road like dad does. And when dad gets home from a weekend or from a week, you know, they understand why dad kind of looks a little tired. It kind of takes 24 hours to kind of, you know, settle in and get a little rest. And, um, and I think when they come out on the road with me, they get a little taste of that. And they're like, boy, we understand why it's, it's kind of a, you know, a tiring process. Um, but I, I do that as much as possible. Um, and this, you know, well, I'll have weekends. I've planned out weekends, you know, that my 10 year old can come out and, and be with 
with dad for 24, 48 hours on the road, just me and her. So she feels like she gets some one-on-one time that we would normally have at home. And uh, same thing for my eight-year-old. And my 24-year-old comes, you know, to shows when I'm, when I'm her, her neck of the woods up in uh, Washington state. And so there's, there's definitely a lot, you know, three quarters of my time is spent on the road, you know, and a very small percentage of the time of that, of that time is spent with them on the road. So I've got to find ways and places and, and times that I can, you know, be with them as much as possible, even if it's on FaceTime all day. Well, that's definitely one of the benefits today that we didn't have years ago that you can at oh, least man. do that. Yeah, that, that's definitely. Mm-hmm. And I see on the tour schedule, you got country for kids. What's that all about? Is that what, what, what's the setup look like there? Well, uh, guys, I, I'm not sure which particular date you're talking about. There's a lot of, uh, especially we get uh, later in the year, November, December, there's a lot of uh, Christmas plant uh, programs that we're a part of. A lot of uh, jams, you know, 10 man jam type things, acoustic jams. And most, if not all those benefit kids, uh, kids, hospital, children's hospital, St. Jude, um, a lot of local toys for tots, things like that. A lot of, uh, our November, December is spent doing, doing charities for kids. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Props to you for that. And speaking about the holidays, I know, you know, they're coming up as quick as possible here. Do you guys have any kind of holiday traditions or something, something you guys started or anything you're carrying over? What does that look like? We do a few things uh, that we have to do every year. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Clark Griswold Christmas-like kind of guy. I have big plans, big ideas, and they all kind of fail miserably a few times before I get it kind of looking halfway right at the house. My wife gets a kick out of that every year. I do something big, and I'm like, well, it looks a little too much. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of my tradition. Uh, we do uh, – there's a train locally that uh, they turned into the Polar Express. We do that every year. We do – you know, several family things that we, we go spend a lot of time just, uh, just us as a family, um, you know, take a trip sometimes, you know, for Christmas time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We got one of those, uh, polar express, uh, type of deals over here. And I love that. I'm, I'm a railroad Wonderful. guy myself. I've been working for the railroad for 23 years. So that's my main awesome. gig. And so it's wow. a pretty cool experience to uh, share that with the kids, uh, on the holiday time. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And, uh, I'm kind of curious, Joe, I know that the, 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 scene has changed as far as the way people are breaking into the music scene today. I know the way that we consume media, the way that we listen to music has drastically changed from when you first came onto the scene here. So what kind of advice uh, do you have for parents out there that have kids that are trying to do, get into the music industry? Is it social media? Is it going the traditional route? What would be your advice to the parents that tell the kids? Uh, Boy, I, I can only tell you what I tell my kids and that is finish your education. First, uh, there's one thing I regret most in my life is uh, uh, not finishing my education, taking it as far as I could take it, because I find myself in rooms with with people that are highly educated, that are more educated than me. And I have to really overcompensate for for doing that. I have to know a lot more about what I'm doing than they already know. So I'm, I'm I always tell them, if you want help from me in music, I will gladly do that after your education is finished. And I would tell I would probably advise everybody to do that um because like i said you're going to be in conversations contracts uh situations with people that are highly educated and they're going to know the 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 land where the landmines are and kind of you you have to be prepared like they are and you know like i said education really really helps um and as far as you know how to be an artist um creatively i should uh, creatively speaking i should say I, i think Everybody has to be an authentic version of themselves 
Um, if you idolize other people, that's great. If you take pieces of their music and make it your own, that's great. I do that. Um, imitation kind of, so to speak, but man, be yourself because at the end of the day, people are going to buy you. They're not going to buy a version of you that somebody else created, you know, a label or, you know, management. These people can try to push and form and mold a person that is not you. And eventually you're going to sell a product that you don't even believe in. And that is the worst. That is the worst case scenario to sing songs, to be an artist that you don't even connect with is a, is a slavery. <laughs> it's just yeah, kind of, you're, wow. you're in a prison of, of being a guy that you don't know and you have to be that guy every day. It's just a miserable existence. Wow. Yeah. Great. So I don't know if you ever watched the Brady bunch reminds me of that Brady bunch episode with Greg Brady. We just, you just fit the suit. Like, you know what I mean? That's it. You know, that's what they were after. So uh, really yeah. good stuff there. And what do you, what do you got? I know you're finishing the tour somewhere around December and stuff. What's yeah. coming up next for you? You're working on another album, more songs. What's coming up next? What kind of goals you have right now for the future? Well, right now we're, we're, like you said, we're, we're kind of, neck deep in this new single we have good day for living which is doing incredible so so grateful to, for the success we're having with that song um i haven't been in the top 40 for you know three or four years four or five years so i'm like oh we got a top top 40 and it's moving to 30 and it's trucking you know it's uh it's a really great feeling to have you know relevance on radio again after a couple of year absence um so i that's what you know we're we're all high-fiving and, and just hugging each other and having a good time with that And I'll tell you this, even though we've had hits before, big hits, you know, several number one songs and and sold a lot of records, there's no greater feeling musically than having success with what you're doing right now. Doesn't matter what you've done, but having the success of what you're doing right now is the pinnacle. So um, that's that feels really good. And we'll start the creative process for the next album, probably in the uh, early part of next year. And and that's a long year and a half, two year process. So no, no new music for, for a little while now. Very cool. And last thing I want to hit you with here, Joe, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Well, for your, uh, for a father uh, about to be father, I would say sleep, 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 and let your wife sleep, 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 sleep. You guys get as much sleep as possible because it, it's going to be different from now on. Um, as far as dads out there with little kids or even, you know, Older kids, you know, like I was saying earlier, be patient. My goodness, be patient um, because that's something that rubs off on them. You know, if, if you're an impatient man or a woman, you you uh, you will raise impatient children, you know. And, and like I said, I have to learn that every day. I have to stop myself every day and say, slow it down, slow it down. Be understanding. Listen a little more than talk. You know, don't believe a little more what you say, too, if you say a little less and a little less emotion in it. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Joe Nichols, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for saying that. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.